0: Scripture this morning comes from Mark, the 6th chapter, verses 1 through 6. And in this uh, story about Jesus, it's uh, interesting to note, at least I think so, that Jesus, while he speaks, is not the one that's telling the story. The story is being told by the gospel writer, by Mark. A story about a time that that Jesus, having journeyed all over uh, Galilee, Gentile territory, having already done uh, significant miracles, after having already healed folks, told parables, after already having a following, a gathering... Jesus decides, time to go to the hometown. Time to go back home. And So, as we pick up in the sixth chapter, this is what the gospel tells us. He left that place, came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. On the Sabbath... He began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astounded. They said, where did this man get all this? What is this wisdom that has been given to him? What are the deeds of power that are being done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary, brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Then Jesus said to them, Prophets are not without honor, except in their own hometown, and among their own kin." and in their own house, and he could do no deed of power there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and cured them, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Jeff offered us a, uh, a segue to this sermon and the offertory music that he played theme song from Cheers, a place where everybody knows your name, and if you ever watched that show, one of the signature moments in the show after it had been on a few years was when Norm would come into Cheers, and everybody would holler his name, Norm, a place where everybody knew your name, a good place to be, a place where you felt welcomed. a place where you felt accepted, place where you could have conversation, a home, a place to be. Our story is a little different. It's about a place where everybody knows Jesus' name, but nobody really knows it. A place where you would think of of all the places. Jesus thought this. I go back home. This is going to be great. Get to see all the folks that I grew up with. Visit with family. Get to tell them about all the the things that have, have already been done in my ministry. Get to share with them in worship service. This is going to be awesome. And much to Jesus' surprise, people took offense at him. Uh, we know you. I mean, you're you're Mary's son. We know your brothers. We know your sisters. Where do you get off telling us all this stuff? Uh, the words of old old adage old old uh, description that is given frequently when people are trying to teach people that or or lead them in in something that experts experts always live 50 miles away from home from your home so Jesus comes back home to a place where everybody knows his name but Nobody knows it, and I suspect at least on a few of their lips, they were saying, "Well, you know, this is all well and good. This this kingdom of God stuff, and the kingdom of God is near. That's all well and good, but uh, we have a certain way that we do things around here. We've always done it that way. And where does he get off telling us to do it differently?" Seven last words of a struggling church or a struggling business or a struggling institution. We never did it that way before. They took offense. They were stating the obvious and missing the point. Very much like the obvious question to a boy who was asked to spell Mississippi. And he looked at the person who asked asked him to do that, and said, "Well, do you mean the state or the river?" Stating the obvious, you're Mary's son. Your brothers, we know. Them. Your sisters, we know. Them. Who are you to share anything? with us. Life oftentimes is something that happens while we're making other plans. We've already figured out what's supposed to happen and in the process process of figuring all that out we miss the point. We see the obvious and either ignore it dismiss it, or misinterpret it. Jesus shows up where everybody knows his name. And it wasn't long after he showed up, I can't imagine that he would have stuck around too long after the reception that he received that occurred to him you know, they just don't, don't want to hear what I have to say. They don't have any, seem to have any interest at all other than to, to condemn me. It's very much like if you're, if you're a parent, and I have four sons, And I've probably given very similar speeches to to each and every one of them, multiple times. And, And asking yourself, at what point do I admit to myself they're not really listening to me? Maybe I just need to move on. Maybe by some miracle, by the grace of the Lord, they'll get it. They'll be reminded of something that I've said. It'll click somewhere along the way. But now is not the time, apparently. I think Jesus might have felt that way. Nobody's really listening, nobody's really getting the point. And so the gospel writer says Jesus was astonished. He was astounded that nobody seemed to care. And he left. And as Mark says, without really being able to do a great deal. That seems to happen in the church and in different places where we're not listening, where we're not paying attention. He leaves the place where everybody, Everybody knows his name. But very few people, maybe nobody, really knows him. We're at the same risk in the church. Jesus has become so familiar to us, or so we think we've got it all figured out. If the Christmas tree is lit up, we can name every bulb on the light on the Christmas tree and tell you exactly what it means. We got it. We know it. And so when Jesus actually comes to us can say, uh, really, Lord, we've already figured this out. We don't need your help. We don't need your teaching. And we forget that Jesus was careless about himself. He did all kinds of stuff. That you wouldn't expect somebody to do, who travels around and doesn't have anything. Jesus was careless about himself. We're very, very careful. He was courageous. We're cautious. He trusted the unworthy. We trust those who have good collateral. He forgave the unforgivable. We forgive those who we think really deserve it or didn't hurt us too much. He was righteous and laughed at respectability. We are respectable and smile at righteousness. He was meek. We're ambitious. He saved others as much as we think we can do it, we try to save ourselves. No need for God until we get in a crisis and then we can conveniently lift up our hands to the shelf where we put God and take Him down, expecting Him to save us from the crisis and by the grace of God, oftentimes that happens. He had no place to lay His head and did not worry about it. We fret when we can't have the latest iPhone or the latest technology right at our our disposal, iPad, iPhone, whatever. Oh, woe is me if we can't get it when it first comes out. Oh, woe is me if if we are still under contract and we're not offered the free phone that we'll still have to pay for through service fees for the next two years. We're worried about inconvenience. He had no place to lay his head. He did what he believed was right regardless of consequences. We determine what is right. We decide that for ourselves. And then we decide how it will affect us if we actually do what's right. He feared God, not the world. We fear public opinion more than we fear the judgment of God. He risked everything for his father. We make refuge, a religion, a refuge, a safe place. A place that meets all of our needs. God will do whatever we want. God is like the cosmic concierge, the cosmic bellhop. All we have to do is go up to the desk or all we have to do is ring the bell and God will deliver everything that we want as soon as we want it without any question, without any hesitation. God's not asking anything of us. That's how we live. But we feel like our religion should be a safe haven from being asked to do anything. He took up the cross. We neither take it up nor lay it down. We just let it stand there. Or we may wear it as jewelry. Uh, We may put it in a bookshelf somewhere in our home. We may have it as a bookmark for our Bibles but we just let it stand there. Without ever asking our So we know all about the cross. So God forbid that we should actually take up the cross and follow. God, forgive us. And in the freedom of your forgiveness, give us the courage. Strengthen our belief in Jesus Christ, so that we can take up that cross and follow. So that we don't fall to the place where we know your name and then then recoil and, and drop back because when we actually hear your voice or when we actually are asked to do something with that which we've been taught, uh, we holler out, well, Who are you to teach us anything? Who are you to ask anything of us? God, we've already got you figured out. Jesus, we've already got you defined. We know your name. And we never really know Jesus, a God who's at work in the everyday and the commonplace things that are a part of our life, the God that asks us to take up the cross, the cross of Christ and follow. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for challenging us with your word. Challenging us with the life of Christ, with the teaching of Christ, with the promise of Christ. Lord, deliver us from from thinking that we know and convict us about the things that we still need to learn And that we still need to grow into through Christ Jesus. God convict us that the greatest thing that Jesus ever spoke, the greatest thing that you've ever revealed to us, is the love that you have for us and the love that we should have for others. The care and concern that we should have for all of your creation. God, just help us focus there. Just help us to be more loving people. God, help us to be people who follow a loving Savior. For it's in Christ's name, amen.